Well, hello, everyone out there. It's good to be with you again. I hope that you're doing well. Things are uh, winding down out there, and uh, I pray that uh, all of you who have been uh, enduring this patiently, that you just keep going. Uh, Don't get uh, uh, cabin fever and don't uh, start to freak out too soon. But we must just keep trusting God. We must be in prayer and, uh, and also in fellowship. We can do that with so many different ways today, so many different devices and medias and so on. And we should be in fellowship with each other and in prayer. And so uh, I just pray, uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have been with us this entire time. I thank you, Lord, that you have not abandoned us yet. Lord, you will never, ever, ever, ever abandon us. You will never fail us. Your word promises that you will never leave us and never forsake us. And we just thank you, Jesus, that you're with us right here and right now. Lord, you're filling every single heart with joy and with peace, and with hope, and with life. We thank you, Lord, that you're directing us and leading us. And you're going to bring us, Lord God, through this and, Lord, into the next season in our lives, Lord, with a miracle and a testimony in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I just want to uh, get right into the Word of God. I want to talk to you this morning uh, or wherever, whenever you're listening Uh, I want to talk to you about uh, something so, so, so powerful about God's Word. And I want to talk to you about the good news, good news, which is uh, very interesting in the time that we have. Now, when good news uh, was uh, preached by Jesus... The good news, when it was spread, uh, it was prophesied and it was expected. The good news was looked uh, for. And Jesus came and he preached the good news of the kingdom, the good news of salvation, the good news of eternal life, the good news of redemption through repentance. And uh, I found this verse in Proverbs Chapter 15, verse 30, and the NLT translates it this way. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health. Isn't that funny and very timely? Let me say that again. Good news makes for good health. Who out there is Uh, looking to the Lord for their health and looking to God to sustain us and take care of us. I thought that was so funny when I found it because I started to look in the word just for the words, good news. And I wanted to see the occurrences and see uh, when it was said and why those specific words, good news, were said. And uh, right now uh, we have fake news. And that's the the big thing out there, fake news. And and then there is true news, which is combating combating the fake news. But how do we really know what is the fake news and what is the true news? And I believe this, that we must be about the good news. Our focus must not be the true news 
or the fake news, but the good news. We must focus today on the good news. We cannot be just like the world. We cannot deal with things like they do. They don't know any other way. So they fight and they war and they take a stand and they refuse to move. But we are a different people. We are, the Bible says, different, set apart, peculiar. We are not like this world. We are aliens. We are ambassadors. We are from above, not here below. Our home, in fact, is not even here. We're renting. Uh, We have a, a temporary place here on the earth, but we are heavenly people. And so... Uh, I want to bring us to this moment um, here. I just wanted to to establish something. I want to get us somewhere uh, in a moment, um, but I just want to establish something. I want to talk about Jesus when he finally comes on the scene. And I say finally, uh, it was perfect in God's timing, but uh, according to uh, 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 actual time, you know, the time that humans are living on this earth. God has a perfect time. God's never late. He's never early and he's never late. God is right on time all the time. And that's an old saying we used to say in the church, but it's true. It is true. God is on time every time. Uh, so, but in, in our human timing, we're waiting. Remember, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt for 400 years before Moses uh, is used by God to deliver the people. So humanly, there was time, and maybe we would even call that a lot of time. But God did it in his perfect time. And, and so uh, something similar was happening when uh, Jesus comes on the scene. And this was during Roman occupation. I think this is very significant. We need to pay attention to this story here, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where the gospel is is uh, is placed in time, is right during this Roman occupation of Israel. Uh, in fact, the Roman Empire was uh, a corrupt and power-hungry, territory-hungry empire. They had invaded Israel, uh, as they had done to many of the surrounding nations of that time. And and this is what kingdoms did. Throughout history, kingdoms rose and they fell down, uh, just as the Roman Empire does as well. But during their rise, the kingdoms of the world, uh, uh, the kingdoms of the world, they would get bored with their own land and they would decide to go to surrounding land and they'd conquer it and they'd add to their own kingdom and maybe the nation next door had some resources that they needed, so they would make war to take it. But ultimately, uh, throughout history, it was more just about power. The biggest kingdom with the furthest borders wins. And the leaders of these kingdoms were compelled to expand. And uh, so this is what happens to Israel. Israel now is under occupation. They are not free. They can move about and they can be Jews and they can have the temple. Uh, but don't make too much of a scene. Uh, don't get too crazy. And we can, and I don't have time to get into that, but you can read in the scriptures and you can read, you know, uh, history that, uh, you know, the Romans 
were trying to... Uh, meanwhile, while they're there in Israel, they also can't let the Jews get too crazy, and they dealt with them different ways, and you can go and, and read the history about that, but revolutionaries, those who tried to rise up against Rome were dealt with and dealt with harshly. In fact, that's possible um, who uh, Barabbas was, and, and there's others, you can read the history, that it's possible that he wasn't just a murderer, but that he was actually a revolutionary, maybe somebody who even went against the government at the time. Uh, but my point is, is that there was this occupation by another nation over Israel at this time. And, uh, and, and so to make a long story, uh, it is a long story of what happens, but to make it brief, last week we looked at um, how God crushed Sennacherib. If you were listening to the podcast last week, we looked at the power of God when Hezekiah and the people of God, they got together, they prayed, they fasted, they knew that God was their only uh, chance, their deliverer, and they trust in him, and he crushed Sennacherib, and, uh, and, and actually even uh, he goes home and his own people kill him in his temple, and uh, God frees them from what could have been uh, a, uh, the, uh, uh, the Assyrian Empire at the time coming in and subduing the kingdom of Israel and occupying them when it wasn't time. When I say when it's not time, because ultimately, uh, long story short, that's what happens, that they they end up rebelling. They just, uh, they, they repent and God has some mercy and then they repent and he has mercy. But ultimately, uh, time and time and time again, uh, as you read your history, when you read through your Old Testament, you find out that Israel rebels against God Finally, uh, they were taken into captivity. They're brought back to Israel. But then the Roman Empire ends up conquering uh, this whole region, that whole Middle East region. And, and here we are now. So, so uh, after time goes, the, the people, they forgot about God. And they were now, uh, you know, under this occupation and so they still have the temple. In fact, ironically, the Romans helped them build their new temple. And uh, so, you know, they had kind of adjusted to this life. Um, but uh, the Jews had promises from God, promises of peace and liberty and of a good land and God as their king. And they were awaiting this time. I've heard some Jews claim that uh, that the coming Messiah was not really a big topic. It's not really daily teaching. It's something they're aware of, but it's not something that they actually are like looking towards. And 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 I don't know that that is. I'm not in Jewish. Um, I'm not in temples very often, and I not often. I mean ever. So I don't know what they're talking about. I don't hear that language from. Uh, the Jews that I interact with at times that we talk about God, I don't hear them talking much about awaiting the Messiah. But we are, we do know that they are aware of the Messiah, and there are some Jews that are waiting for him. But I would say, as a whole, um, you know, they would claim that it's not wasn't really a huge focus for them, and uh, and and but this was not true of this time. 
During this time, if right here when Jesus comes on the scene, during that moment, they were in fact looking and they were expecting to be freed from this occupation. And um, just getting into my notes here, um, and and uh, the people were eagerly awaiting the Messiah to set them free and set up his kingdom that would crush the kingdoms opposing it, just like he did in Sennacher- with Sennacherib. And there were many times like that. And they were expecting this Messiah to come and to free them and to set up an eternal kingdom. And so Jesus comes onto the scene and they're wondering, uh, who is this Jesus? He begins to preach that the kingdom is near. Repent because the kingdom is near. So the followers of Jesus over time, uh, they wonder in what way he will claim the kingdom and set up his rule. And, and, and so that takes us to this pivotal moment that I want to preach from today. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. So now the disciples have been with Jesus for these three years, and Jesus had showed them uh, many truths, and he had pointed them to the Father, and uh, he had definitely at this point uh, shown them so many miracles, had shown them so many things that it could not be denied that that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter even calls him that. He says, you're the Messiah. And he's he gets that revelation. And now they're aware that Jesus is the not just the guy they're waiting for, but the God man. God came down into the earth and is going to change uh, everything. And so we're in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're about to take Jesus by force. And as they do, we read in Luke chapter 22, verse 49, it says, when the disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? Should we fight? We brought swords. He said, we brought the swords. And verse 50 says, and one of them, we know that that's Peter, struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. And we read that Jesus said in Matthew 26, 52, put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. If that is your life, If the sword is your life, you will die that way. If you fight and you are about fighting to get uh, into a particular uh, situation, you want to get a particular result and fighting is your way to do it, you will in fact die doing it. And so Jesus told Peter to put down the sword. They said, should we fight? And Jesus quickly squashed it. He squashed their, uh, their um, only Peter, 
we re-picked up the sword, but this mini-revolution that could have started right here, where they stood up and they fought against uh, the soldiers coming to take Jesus. And what a different scene that moment would have been. But Jesus just squashed it, and he says, this time is meant to be, and we know that Jesus had to go. We know that this had to be done. But the disciples... Uh, had to be done, let me just finish that statement first, had to be done right because of our salvation. Jesus had to die. He needed to go through with what he was about to go through. So let me just, that statement is stated. But with that said, uh, Jesus needed to show them that uh, if you uh, are thinking that we're going to gain this kingdom, that my kingdom is about fighting and my kingdom is about standing your ground here, you're wrong. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. And he told them to put away the sword. He said, uh, we are not fighting what is seen. This is what Jesus had been teaching them. He had been teaching them uh, through, I mean, this is not just one verse, but many verses. You just look at the whole picture of Jesus's time with them. And then we can look at the Verses after Jesus is gone and the things that they wrote and even Paul wrote with the revelation of Jesus, we find this, that it's because we're not fighting against those who want to corrupt everything good and specifically about this nation. We're not fighting against an agenda. We are in a fight, that's for sure. But our fight is not against flesh and blood but against the powers of hell. And what the disciples don't realize in this moment is that while Peter picks up the sword and the disciples are wondering, should we pick up the swords and fight? Jesus has has taken a stand uh, in the spirit and a war has begun, uh, well, had begun long, long ago, but a battle in that war had just begun between darkness and light and darkness didn't even the bible says could not comprehend it they didn't understand what jesus was doing but jesus was actually fighting in an unseen spiritual war with weapons that the enemy couldn't even understand and he humbly submitted to this uh uh really cruel and just an an un and un we can't even understand it it was so brutal and and so harsh and they come in the night and they come in the secret and he even points that out you got to come and do this in secret you didn't take me during the day and they take him away he lets them take him away and the disciples are confused they don't know what's going on because they're wondering why isn't Jesus standing up uh he's the messiah and There's a kingdom that's about to be established, we thought. We thought Jesus was the answer. We were sure he was the Messiah. At this point, he has proved himself so much, so many times, that he is absolutely the Messiah. He even confirmed to me, Peter's thinking, Peter's thinking, he confirmed to me that he's the Messiah. When I said you're the Messiah, he said you're right. And what was happening was something bigger The real fight is not with humans. It's 
and and we don't use weapons uh, of this world. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 that the weapons we use are given to us by God. And even more importantly than understanding and using those weapons is that we understand that we are powerless. Listen, we are powerless in the battle against us in ourselves. We must not just take those weapons in Ephesians 6, and that's not today's sermon. That's a different sermon, and you can go and read those scriptures. That's Ephesians 6. You're going to see the armor of God there. But Ephesians 6.10 says, we must be strong in the Lord, or we're strong in his mighty power, or the power of his might, that it's the Lord, that there is a war, and there is a fight, but the fight is not with humans. The fight today, just as it was in that moment with Jesus, is not with those soldiers, The fight is not with the Roman occupation. There is a war, but that is not the fight. The fight is not with people, but there is a spirit that has um, influenced those people. There is a devil and there are fallen angels and there is a whole kingdom in the darkness and the unseen that I'm not going to get into that today either, but there is this unseen uh, uh, forces and and, uh, hierarchical forces that are uh, working behind the scenes in the darkness to try to build their kingdom. And they are using people. But it's not people that you're fighting with. It's not the person. There is a spirit that has influenced these rulers to conquer this and to do this and to go here and go there. And we also have to be aware of this, that God is allowing it for for the grand scale of his plan from Genesis to Revelation. And I think that'll free a lot of us if we realize that God is allowing a lot of things that we don't understand to happen, but it's all playing into, and I say I'm such a broken record on this, but I can't get away from this. Uh, Jesus let them take him. They, he let them take him in. He let them nail him to a cross, and the devil thought he won, but he didn't know what was happening, but Jesus was actually waging war. Jesus was actually fighting in a way that we don't understand. It's a way that we can actually, we can understand it now through the revelation of the scripture. If we truly get into the word and truly understand, just look at God's heart and look at his word, we're going to see, wow, there is, we, there is a strategy here. But it was so contrary to the human way of waging war, which was to grab your weapons and to stand up, to take a stand and to fight and to to claim your ground and say, no, you will not take my Lord. Remember when Peter says, I will never let that happen to you. Jesus turns to him and says, Satan, get behind me. See, Jesus did have a fight, but the fight was in the unseen. And the same exact fight is still going on to this day. And I I don't want to get too deep into that. I just want to keep us moving here. I want you to look into the book of Acts chapter 1. And uh, that's for another time. The fight's going on today. 
but I don't want to get I don't want to get focused. In fact, that's a big part of this sermon today is I don't want to get focused on the darkness and focused on them. I want to be focused on Jesus Christ. I want to be focused on the Word of God. I want to be focused on the gospel. And we're going to get into that power today. If you can just hang with me, we're going to get into the power of the gospel, the good news. And uh, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, During the 40 days after he suffered and died, this is Acts uh, 1, verse 3, uh, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. And I just preached uh, some things in the last couple of weeks, because we just had Easter, about how Jesus did come back, and, uh, and they doubted, and he showed himself, and you can go and listen to those sermons. But we've already gone through that. So now they, they know this is Jesus again. They weren't sure. They realize that uh, at this point, he has been, in fact, resurrected. He is alive. And now, so now there's hope in them again. Now they're being filled with hope again. Okay, Jesus, we didn't understand before. You died. You conquered Satan in a way that we did not, We even we, your disciples, didn't expect or understand. But now here you are, and they're excited, and Jesus is actually talking to them about the kingdom. And in verse 4, it says, Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the Spirit he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom. So they were confused, and but now their doubts are, are settled, and they're with Jesus again, and they're still wondering the same thing they were when they went to go pick up the swords. The difference is they're not trying to pick up the swords and fight. They're with Jesus. They're in peace. This is a peaceful moment, but they, but they are still wondering the same thing. Jesus, how are we going to grab a hold of this time, uh, grab a hold and, and get rid of this occupation? Jesus, when are, is this tyrannical government that is over us going to be dealt with? When is this tyrannical Roman empire that has uh, forced us into submission and rules over us and tells us what we can do and what we can't do and how we can do it, and we're tired of it. Lord, is it finally the time? Is it finally the time that you're going to restore the kingdom that you promised to us? And he says to them, he says, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. You don't worry about how and when I, with the Lord, with the Father, working with the Lord and the Holy Spirit, they are working together to do uh, their plan. Okay, they are, Jesus is in submission and the Holy Spirit is, in, is, uh, is showing us Jesus and Jesus is doing things through the power of the Spirit 
And there is a plan that is unraveling on the earth. It's in heaven. It's settled in heaven. It's done. It's finished. When Jesus said it's finished, it truly was. But the unraveling of that plan on the earth is still unraveling. And this is what Jesus told us. Don't worry. I don't want your focus to be about the kingdom of God. And I've preached about the kingdom of God. I think it's something that we should uh, be fully aware of, of, of and be excited about and be comforted with that God's kingdom has been restored. But specifically, and I want to be clear here, specifically God's kingdom uh, revealed in our time and revealed in this earth. Okay, it's already settled. We are already part of the kingdom of God. You've already become part of it if you're a Christian, and it's already done, and you're already seated with Christ ahead of time. Outside of time, you are already living and reigning with Christ in the kingdom of heaven forever and ever. But in the natural realm, in this earth we live in, he says, I don't want you to be focused on uh, my my kingdom being established uh, in the earth as a physical kingdom, okay? Because that's that's basically this is hard to teach because because there's a lot going on here. We have to look at the whole Bible of what's happening. God's going to establish a physical kingdom one day. He will do that. He has promised us that, and that's what the disciples were asking about. What Jesus was trying to get them to realize is that the kingdom was already within them, and He told us that in the Gospels. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom's already established, but the kingdom that you see in the natural, God's going to do that, but that's not really for you to focus on. I don't want you to focus on the kingdom in the natural. I don't want you to focus on your uh, uh, getting a, a freedom from the Roman occupation. I don't want you to be focused on when and how you're going to be free and no one's going to tell you what to do anymore. All right, now I'm taking a little bit of license there, but I believe that's what Jesus was showing them. He said, because what I want you to focus on, verse 8, is that you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes on you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, don't worry about who is in control. Who is ruling? Who is not ruling? Don't worry about how the kingdom is unfolding in the natural. What I want you to focus on is one thing. The kingdom of God that is already within you and is going to be, it's going to come out of you uh, if you will wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and come inside you. He's going to bring that up and out of you. And I'm going to build a kingdom that is in the unseen. He says in verse 9, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And I just say, amen. I'm so 
uh, excited. I'm and I'm waiting because that's what the Bible tells us to do. I'm waiting for that exciting day where Jesus returns. That is a day that we should be looking forward to. That's really our focus, that we do what he's asked us to do here on the earth. I'm getting ahead of myself, getting ahead of the sermon, but we do what he's asked us to do because he is coming again. That's his promise. He said it and he will do it. But uh, just to continue here, uh, so the apostles, verse 12, they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of a half mile, and when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying, and the disciples were there. We read in verse, the rest of 13. In verse 14, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. So they're asking Jesus about the kingdom and about taking the occupation of the Roman Empire off of them and Israel being its own nation again, Israel being free, tyranny gone. And Jesus says, don't worry about that. I want you to receive the Holy Spirit and be my witnesses on this earth. And so they listen to that. They are faithful. And this is what they do. They constantly unite in prayer, it says. And they're there with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several of the other women and the brothers of Jesus and so the, the very same Peter who swung the sword, he grabs a hold of the truth. He grabs a hold of this truth in Christ. And what we see here in the book of Acts, as we transition from this book of Acts, uh, chapter 1 to chapter 2, is that Peter begins to swing a different sword. He begins when he had the revelation, he had already had the revelation of who Jesus was. What he needed to have a revelation of is what God's plan was. And he didn't even, even Peter didn't fully understand God's plan because we are still in a human body. And, uh, and so God, we can see that in the scriptures. I'm not, I'm not assuming that because God shows him that he's allowed to eat some foods he wasn't allowed to eat, maybe like bacon. And, uh, and he's confused, and God has to show him that uh, it's okay uh, because it's a new time. And, and so there was still some things being revealed. There's still things he didn't understand. God's still doing that. That was still a process in him. More revelation was coming. But, uh, but, what, but what Peter begins to do here is he begins to move in a way that Jesus did. He begins to move in an unseen way uh, in, and, and begin to battle and fight a war that had been waged and that people had tried to, to accomplish in the natural. He begins to do in the supernatural. And so uh, he begins to pray in unity with the 120 in the upper room. And in Acts 2, they become filled with the Spirit of God and they went out of that preparation. I want to say that again. They went out of the upper room of preparation and, uh, and, and they had been diligently seeking God and diligently waiting on God diligently looking 
to God for his plan, his purpose, his will, and his Holy Spirit to come upon them. They go out. This is amazing because they go out of that room and they come down in Acts 2 outside of this place of preparation in God. And I'm going to get into this. Hopefully, I'm making some sense, and hopefully, I don't drag this out. I'm not trying to. But they, he comes out of this upper room filled with the Spirit of God, and he has a different sword in his hand. He has a sword that he can strike with to the hearts of man. And the sword is the sword of the Spirit. Going back, we can look in Ephesians 6. That's one of the weapons that God gives us. And again, I don't want today to be about Ephesians 6 or focusing on those weapons. But what he begins to swing is not a physical sword in a physical fight, but he begins to preach the gospel. And it's to the very people he says to them, you put Jesus on the cross. So maybe they didn't they weren't the ones who nailed him and they weren't the ones who stood there in the trial necessarily, but what Peter begins to tell this crowd is that you didn't stop it and you know you were for it. You know these were the people they weren't against it. They were for Jesus being crucified. So he's dealing with the people that opposed the gospel. They oppose Jesus Christ and he deals with them. He deals with in, in goes into the secret, into the darkness. Uh, and I'm trying to, to get this, to make this understandable. He goes into a place that they're not even aware that they are even fighting in the spirit, that their soul is actually fighting against God. So Peter doesn't stand there and argue with them. He doesn't tell them, um, you know, uh, that, well, you should have accepted Jesus. Well, you had the chance and uh, you really messed up. But he begins to preach the gospel. He begins to take that sword of the spirit and strike at the heart. They don't even know what's happening. (laughs) They don't even know. They're thinking this. Some of them believe the true news. Some of them believed the fake news, and they had all this news circling around of who Jesus was, and and you know, and you know, we don't want to upset Rome because if Jesus, you know, if it causes a revolution, then Rome they might just kill us all. I mean, if you really do your study, you find out that they were concerned that uh, that the Romans who were occupying them, if they, you know, if if Jesus. You know, if they made too much of a scene that they might just, you know, get killed and, and, and uh, that they would come in and just take them all out. So there were some, some things going on. There's all kinds of news circling around. And, and Peter takes the good news of the gospel. The good news, not of the gospel. The good news is the gospel. I'm going to show that in a minute. And he takes this sword and he begins to strike the heart of man instead of striking the ear. He, and isn't that significant, the natural ear versus the ear that could hear. He struck the natural ear with the sword. That didn't do anything except Jesus had to heal him. All that did was cause 
a man to lose his ear for a moment, but he begins to strike the ear to hear, as, as we read in the Bible. Uh, an ear to hear is understanding God. He begins to strike that place with the gospel, with the message, and uh, not everyone accepted the message uh, throughout his career as a preacher, but 3,000 people get saved in this moment. 3,000. And uh, they end up finally, you know, putting him in prison because he refuses to stop preaching. Uh, but at this point, his focus is clear. Peter gets a clear focus on what his mission is. He gets a clear focus on what the war is, that the war is actually not with the people and that the war is not with Rome and that the war is not with, it's not political, that there's not a war here to try to gain something politically, to get Israel back politically as a kingdom, but that in fact, the war is in the unseen and the only way to win this war was, and I'm going to say this, there's two parts here. God gave us the plan and the strategy. The only way to win the war was to follow God's plan with God's strategy. And it's this, it's that the plan was preach the good news. And, and this is it. This is the good news. It's steady and eternal. It's always the same. The good news is the same, regardless of the circumstances. The good news has the power to cut through fake news and bad news and even canoes. And God gave us a strategy. The plan was preach the good news. That's the plan. The strategy, all right, so that's, you would, you might be thinking, well, wait a second, that sounds like the strategy. That's not the strategy, because you can't really preach the good news. You can't preach. Who are you? You're nobody. You're nothing. You were dirt, and you were mud. The Lord breathed into you. He breathed into Adam. He just breathed into mud and made a man filled with his spirit. We need to understand something. That's the plan, but the strategy is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, Paul rejected the knowledge he had for the good news of Jesus. He rejected his own knowledge and even religious knowledge and threw it all away and said it's dung. It's, it's uh, toilet water compared to Jesus Christ. And the disciples spent time in prayer seeking the will of God instead of seeking the will of man on Facebook. And they changed the world. They never took, they never rose a sword once, and they never took over even one human kingdom. And yet God's kingdom was being built and being established on the earth. One day, its finality will be revealed in, in the natural. It will actually be set up in the scene. But in the unseen, spreading into all the parts of the world, the kingdom was actually being established. And a fight that had begun at the beginning of time 
between God's creation, Adam and Eve, man, who was put here to, to have communion with him and to rule on this earth. And Satan was trying to build his own kingdom and has been trying to build his own kingdom since that time that has not changed. And yet God did not do it with, uh, with war. God did not do it with swords, but God began to deal with Satan and his plans and his kingdom supernaturally in the unseen by nobodies with really no abilities. And even Paul, who had the religious, the spiritual, uh, so to speak, abilities, threw them all away when he received Jesus Christ and when he received the revelation that only came through the Holy Spirit. They began to seek God, and God's kingdom was ruling invisibly under any government, any conditions, good or harsh. No matter what the conditions were of the actual ruling, God's kingdom was unaffected by it. It was unaffected, and there was a strategy to spend time with God, to get into the Lord's presence to let the Holy Spirit do something supernaturally in them so that the plan, which is to, for the Holy Spirit to then come out of your mouth in good news. See, we spend so much time talking about so many things. We spend so much time focusing on so many things. And we have this right and that right, and we take this stand and that stand. And I'm not here today to tell you that there aren't stands that we must take. But what is our focus? What is the real focus of our stand? Because Jesus told us, you just focus on the kingdom of God, on the good news. And if you will focus on the good news, it has the power. Come on, all that Peter did, Peter didn't do anything supernatural that they could actually see. What was supernaturally happening was internal. Their hearts were actually being pierced. It says that their hearts were pierced. What was it pierced by? By the sword. What is the sword? By the word of God. The good news of the word of God has the power to pierce a heart. See, if you stand up and you talk to the person in the natural and you think you're going to deal with people and you're going to show them this and you're going to show them that and take the stand here and take the stand there... Uh, and, and we don't. And, and if you don't realize that it's actually spending time with the Lord, spending prayer with the Lord, getting the Lord's, getting below the before the Lord's face, and seeking His heart and seeking His will, and getting His Spirit within you, which and, and the Spirit we don't have time to get into it today, but is very dynamic. And I had it in my notes here, but just for sake of time, just to throw off some, just some quick things. The fruit of the Spirit, right, is peace. It's loving. It, there's hope in there. All right, so God's Spirit in you, it's dynamic. There is, there's power to it. His Spirit can affect the Spirit of God inside you, coming out of you through the preaching of the good news. has so much more power than you realize. And we cannot judge the power of the Spirit of God coming out of us by the people out there looking at us or receiving it. Because we need to come to terms with this. Not everyone will receive you. They didn't all accept Jesus. They crucified him. They didn't all accept 
Peter's message because ultimately they crucified him. But whoever would listen, that good news was the only news that mattered. It went into their hearts and changed them. And I just just quickly, I want to look here in the book of Luke chapter 4, verse 18. See, this is the commission of Jesus. Jesus tells us exactly what his mission was here on the earth. We know that he brought salvation uh, for us, that when we repent and we receive uh, his eternal salvation, we have eternity with him forever through that blood. But he actually tells us the mission right from the beginning of what he was doing in the earth, okay? What I'm just talked about through the blood is what he did in the supernatural. This is what he was doing in the earth. Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. So the Spirit of the Lord, we, we know, came upon him. He gets baptized with John. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. He goes into the wilderness. He's tempted by the devil, and he comes out of that place filled with the Spirit, and he's not deterred. He's not moved. His own emotions are set aside. That's a different sermon. I just preached that some weeks ago. Manna is dependence. You can go and listen to that. And uh, he is now settled that he has no motives. He has no envy. He has no jealousies. He has, he has, he has completely and totally submitted to the plan and purpose of God. And it says, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come or the acceptable year of the Lord, acceptable time of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm here and this is what I'm here to do. And it's because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, I'm going to bring good news, and I'm going to set captives free. Jesus gives us the exact same commission that he had on the earth. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, he tells them to do exactly what he himself had been doing. And he says in verse 16, anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. Anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So not everyone is going to receive. That is not our job to convince people. You are not going to convince a person of anything. What you are called to do as a Christian is so simple. Spend time with God. Spend time in his word. Let the Holy Spirit do a supernatural work inside you. And a big part of that is just removing your motives. It's, it reveals, the Holy Spirit reveals your motives and reveals your intentions and he gets it out of you. And then what comes out of you is no longer you with your own opinions and your own uh, you know, desires and your own ambitions, but what will come out of you now is purely the Lord. And not everyone wants him, but to those that are listening with ears to hear, they will receive 
no longer just words out of your mouth, but something that pierces their hearts. In fact, we can look and uh, we can look at this word gospel and the word gospel uh, used to be translated in the old English as God spell or good spell, which means good news. The word gospel itself just means good news. That's what the gospels are. We literally call them the gospels, the four gospels. It's the four books about good news. So the good news is everything Jesus did. It's everything Jesus was. If we will focus on that, that good news, it has so much power. Jesus and his, and, 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 and his presence within you is so much more powerful than you realize. And, and, and we're so, um, we're not, I don't want to get weird. I don't want to use any type of new age language. I don't want to, I'm saying tapping in because I, I don't know what other words to use. I don't want it to be weird, but we're not, we're not getting into that place with God like we need to be. Spending that time with God like we need to be. I fear this word is going around right now about the new normal. And everybody's talking about it. This is the new normal. And I know that if you're listening to me, that probably most of you don't want the new normal. Most of you reject the new normal and have no desire of the new normal. And, and the thing is, while that may be true, I don't want the old normal either. I don't want to just go back. I don't want to just go back to, to doing the things the way we did and just like occupying and, and, and we just kind of go through the motions too often. But we've been given this amazing gift that really few people have of so much time. And, and I fear that, that Christians across the world who have been given time have not really given themselves to the Lord in this time. And I know many of you have, so I'm not condemning any of you. If you've been doing it, then this is not for you. But if you're listening to this and you feel like, man, you're right. I really haven't spent the time with the Lord. I've been spending way too much time on social media. I've been spending way too much time listening to fake news and true news and bad news and all kinds of other news and not enough time in the good news. And if that's you, I'm giving you a call today to just push it all aside and to really realize that that uh, that when Peter got this revelation that that I could try to raise a sword and 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 fight against the occupation, I could fight against the tyranny, or I could do something that is so backwards, so upside down, the inside, outside, upside down kingdom, backwards. Remember, Jesus said the first will be last, the last shall be first. Right, the greatest will be least, least will be greatest. God's ways are different than our human ways. And they went into an upper room, they went into a secret place, into a hidden place, and just sought God. And by letting God do something supernaturally internally in them, suddenly his words changed. Remember, Peter, just just not too long earlier, right? Maybe 40 days-ish. 45 days, depending on, I don't know the exact time frame here, but somewhere close to that, that he had just, with the same mouth and the same words, denied Jesus. I don't even know him. Let a curse be on me. Out of the same mouth where his own soul came out of him, and he was aware of Jesus, 
and he was aware of the miracles, and he was aware this is the Messiah, but truly just an awareness of who Jesus is was not enough. It was pulling away from society. It was pulling away from himself, completely being undone, uniting with other believers, and getting into that place with the Lord where the Holy Spirit could do something supernaturally now internally inside him and just change. It's not just to understand who Jesus is. It's not just to understand the gospel and understand it, but that a a change happens in your spirit. And then suddenly his words that came out of him were no longer denial, but his words, they were not himself. They were not opinion. They were not with any ambition. They were not in chaos. There's no confusion. It was direct. It was focused and it changed that entire city at that time. Isn't that amazing? Isn't God's power and God's plan and God's purpose amazing. You know, Jesus, he didn't pay attention to the news. They said to Jesus, and I'm I'm just using some license here, but they said to Jesus, Jesus, you know, there's a tyrannical government over us. We're under occupation. Ro- the Romans are over us. Don't you realize that? Don't you realize that the- Jesus, that Jesus, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to, what are we going to do, Lord? Don't you know? Don't you know what's happening? Jesus, don't you know what's going on? Do you know what the Romans did? Do you know what they said? Do you know what this one said? Do you know what Caesar said? Can you believe that Caesar said this? Can you believe that he thinks he's God? Can you believe that, that he thinks that we're the Jews and we have God's plan and purpose, but that he's God? Can you believe it? You know, if, they, if Facebook was around, if, if social media was around, all you would hear is that, that, uh, that the Roman uh, emperors, and they think they're God. And all the rulers of the time, they think they're gods. And, and they're, so, they're so corrupt. And you know what Jesus says to them? If I can just use some license, he didn't, he didn't answer that exact question, but that's some things that they were thinking and asking him indirectly. You know what he said? He said, when they ask you to go one mile, go two. (laughs) Did you hear me? Do you know why Jesus said that? Many of you do know it. And if you do, I'm just going to say it and, and it's just review for you. Some of you don't know this. The term go the extra mile where it comes from. It's because Jesus said, when they ask you to go one mile, go two. It's an, it's, it's a scripture that Jesus tells us, right? And we know the scripture, but the behind the scenes, what he was talking about was that because the Romans were occupying uh, and they had a law that they could ask a Jew to carry their stuff for a mile. And that was the law. It could be up to a mile. But if the a Roman soldier is walking by and he needed some help, he could just grab a Jew at random and, and force them. They were forced without their will. Listen, their will, <laughs> their will. They were forced to do something that was against their will. This isn't right. This is unjust. This is unjust. Everybody got on social media about the injustice that was being done to the Jews. And you know what Jesus's answer was? When they ask you to go one, go two. Go the extra mile. And this is why. Because it'll blow their minds when they ask you to do something that is so unjust. It's unjust. And you're thinking, well, you know, we're free. We're a free people and we don't, we don't answer to anyone. 
And I, I get concerned in this, in, in this nation because we are free. And I thank God for the freedom. I thank God. I'm so, I am so American and I'm so thankful for those that paid a price and, and shed blood for us. I really am. So don't hear me wrong. I'm so, even to this day, even though still fighting for our freedoms today, who have shed their blood for my freedom, I am so thankful. And if you're out there listening and you have served, I thank you. And I really mean it. But with that said, I get concerned that we are, that our freedom is on the edge of rebellion, that our freedom is not quite just freedom, but that it's almost uh, so individual that no one's going to tell me anything ever. And it's just not what I see in the scriptures. Uh, and, And here's the reason why, because Jesus, ready for this? Jesus loved the Romans too. Wow. He didn't just love the Jews. He loved the Romans too. The same people that were unjustly occupying them and ruling over them, and there was tyranny, and there were secret societies, and there was Illuminati, and there's all these things going on, and everybody's questioning and wondering, and it's like, when's Rome going to leave, and how long are they going to be here, and this isn't right, and what are we going to do about it, and we must rise up, and we must fight. And Jesus tells him, I love them. I love those people. I love them. And I want you to serve them. I want you to love them. See, not long after that, Jesus commissions Paul to be a witness to this very Roman Empire. And that same Paul, he you know, instructs the people, this is crazy to our human mind, but he instructs the people to be good slaves. He tells them to be respectful, even unjustly enduring punishment as slaves. Later, he tells them, if you have an opportunity to be free, to take it. I'm not saying that we should choose willingly uh, just to to be slaves of an occupying tyrannical power over us, Um, but that we're supposed to be different, that it doesn't really matter what is going on in the world around us and And what Satan is doing around us, it does not matter what Satan is using to try to influence the natural world. What kingdom, what power, what ruler, what president, what party. None of that matters because God is doing something in the supernatural, in the unseen. And many of those things that we're fighting so hard against, God is actually using to bring about the book of Revelation, but that we are not supposed to focus on those things. We're going to be aware. We're not unaware, right, of the enemy's devices, his plans, his purpose. We're aware. We're fully aware. I am very, very aware of what's going on in the the news that you hear about and the news you don't hear about. I'm aware of it. I just don't focus on it. I'm aware, but I always balance it with the good news. We need to focus right now on Jesus Christ. We need to focus right now on the kingdom of God. We must focus now on the gospel and on the good news because all that we could do in the natural to try to stand up and to fight, all it's going to do is cause bloodshed and ultimately Jesus says you're going to end up dying with your cause. But if we will stand with him, stand alongside of Jesus carrying our cross and bearing 
a, a good burden, bearing the burden that he had, which is souls, and preaching the power of the good news, we can truly change our society. We can change. That is the only hope of change. The only hope of change is that. And I just want to finish with this. In Matthew chapter 24, uh, also Mark chapter 13, and Luke chapter 21, in those three chapters uh, in the Gospels, we hear about a time that's going to come. We, we call it the uh, tribulation time or a time of perplexity, you may know it as. Um, and they talk about things like just quickly that uh, between those three chunks, they're just some of the highlights, not that I want to call it that, but that nations are going to go against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes. There's going to be famines. Um, and also simultaneously, while all those things are happening, okay, there's going to be things like that happening, but also there's going to be this, okay? There's going to be many things in turmoil, much like we see today. I don't know if this is the end. I don't know if this is, uh, I know it's not the end today. Well, I guess I don't really know, but I don't think this is the end end, but I don't know if we're in that last phase. It certainly seems like it. But even if we're not, even if this is just the time that we live on the earth and then our time passes, we have a place here on the earth. We have a part to play. The Bible calls us salt and light. So even if our life is lived and is gone and revelation is still unfolding for another thousand years, in this time, we must be what God has called us to be, and that is spending time with him, letting the Holy Spirit change us, and out of our mouth should flow one form of news, the good news. We should be so focused on bringing forth the gospel of Jesus Christ and changing our society with the good news of Jesus Christ, knowing full well that they're not all going to receive us, but doing it anyway. And we're not worried when they don't receive us. We don't fight. We don't struggle with them. We don't stand. We don't. Uh, we don't war with them when they don't receive us. Because this is what it says. It says that the love of many will grow cold. Many will be deceived. And it says that the gospel must be preached. In all of those chunks of scripture, those three chunks there, talk, they're a little bit different on, on what type of chaos we're going to see, but they all say that the gospel must be preached, and they all say this, and I'm just going to read out of Mark chapter 13, verse 9, when these things begin to happen, watch out, you will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news, verse 10, must first be preached to all nations. He goes on to say in Mark, you're going to be arrested. You're going to stand trial. Don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, 
for it is not you who will be speaking. <laughs> this is amazing. It's funny to me. I'm so sorry out there if I'm offending you. But nobody needs to hear you. Nobody needs your opinion. Don't get offended at me, but nobody cares about your opinion. Nobody cares what you have to say. Even if they nod and listen, or if they walk away in rejection, it really doesn't matter. In their own mind, they're still their own person and they have their own mind. The only thing that you can do to change another person is first of all in prayer. The only reason the Holy Spirit can move through them is they spend time with the Holy Spirit and then letting the Holy Spirit speak through your mouth in preaching of the good news. It says a brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because you're my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. These are the words of Jesus. He doesn't once tell us to, tell us to fight. He doesn't once tell us to stand up and take your ground. He tells us when these things happen, when they reject you, when things are happening in the earth, you just keep focusing on the kingdom. You have one purpose. This is so simple. And the news is always the same. Our news is always the same. It's always good news. It doesn't matter what's happening in the natural. It's always good news. Are you encouraged out there today? If you want health, I read that verse in Proverbs. If you want health in your body, then you just focus on the good news. It will literally bring health to you, no matter what the news is. If you focus on the good news, you will always have health. You will always have life. It does not matter what's happening around you. It does not matter what they're trying to do. Listen, the book, you're so focused out there. Uh, maybe you're not, but if you're the maybe the one person who stumbled upon us and you're focused on what darkness is doing. I just want to remind you that God used darkness to put Jesus on the cross for a grand purpose. And if you are too focused on what darkness is doing right now instead of what Jesus is doing, you're going to miss it. And you're going to miss this opportunity to be a voice of good news, a voice of truth into the, the, the false, the lies out there, and to, you'll miss the chance to be a light into the darkness and to be a salt into the earth. With that said, I said plenty. I just bless you and I pray for you that, uh, Lord, that, that, you, that this word will be uh, put down deep in hearts and that a change will occur in our spirit. The Lord, we would never be the same again. The Lord, we would be so filled with you, Lord God, and so filled with the life of Jesus Christ within us so that, Lord, we would be changed, that we would not be the same, and that our words, Lord God, that come back out of us, out of that spirit man within us, out of a heart that is changed, Lord, would be rivers of life.